go and make disciples of all the nations, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you even till the end of the age. When Jesus said, I am with you, it was actually a callback to the word Emmanuel, which means God with us. Jesus is saying, I'm with you on this journey. I'm with you in this commission. And that that text is called the Great Commission. And the heart of what a commission is is in the Word itself. It is a mission. It is an assignment. It is a responsibility. It is a duty. Uh, Jesus' uh, Jesus's version, I'm sorry, Acts' version of Jesus' last word sounded like this. You will be my witnesses in all Jerusalem, Samaria, uh, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. If you can think of that in this way, Chester, Randolph County, America, and everywhere. We are called to be his outpost, his representatives, his witness, to tell what we have seen, to tell what Jesus has done for us. But even more than that, to be soldiers, to be an outpost, for CFBC to be an outpost in the middle of enemy territory, for which the kingdom of heaven invades the world around us. Now, that, that's not done with highly educated people. It's not done with seminary, uh, seminary trained people. That's never really been Jesus' plan. In fact, the Bible tells in the book of Acts that uh, a couple of the disciples were in front of a council, and they couldn't believe how fishermen were able to speak these incredible deep things about God. In fact, the Bible says that God used un, untrained or uneducated, unprofessional men and women to do that. That's how God has really released the gospel into the world and church. That's how he's still planning on releasing the gospel into Randolph County. Uh, that's our job. That's the commission that Jesus has given us. Uh, witness means you've seen something and you tell about it. Uh, all of you today probably, uh, all of you today should have been, thanks to Vic, you received a card that said, I will pray every day for somebody. I encourage you to take that and write down the name of somebody who you know is far away from God. And I want you to begin to commit to pray for that person. Uh, say, God, I, I know this person is away from you, and I pray that you would let me have an opportunity to share the good news with that person. So just simply begin to pray for them. And pray for them every day, because this whole series is about us talking to people about God. But let me tell you something. It doesn't matter until we talk to God about people. We need to tell him about these souls, and we need to pray that God would just soften their hearts. So use that and begin to pray for them. You can't save them. If you save them, they're still lost. But God will use people to draw other people to his son. Man, all we got to do is open our mouth. I'm showing you a very uh, relational and, and personal way to share the gospel. Lots of you don't share your faith because you don't know how. You feel uncomfortable. You're afraid you're going to hair lip it. You're going to mess it up. I, I want to teach you that. And I've been showing you this now for the second week. And I'm going to show you again next week. We're going to wind up on the gospel. But I want you to be able to, to duplicate this. Um, on, op, on April 20th, we're starting a brand new Connect group. And it covers this model. This is not really a Bible study as much as it is a training. Uh, this is a book by Jimmy Scroggins and Steve Wright. It's, it's, it's really the whole basis of what this little series is on. It's called Turning Everyday Conversations into Gospel Conversations. Small book, big font, lots of white spaces, one of my favorite kinds of books. Um, I've got seven of these lined up down here. I'm going to give seven of those away today, but here's the caveat. Here's the, here's the rub. I will give this to you if, if you've not been going to connect groups. I want you to, to take this as a challenge. Seven of you today, I believe, maybe you've not been to Connect Group or maybe you've been hit and miss, you know, you'll come to one out of six. But some of you today said, are, are saying in your heart, I need to do that. I need to share my faith. I don't know how. I'm scared. I want to be trained. At the end of service, 
your challenge is going to be simply to come up and get this book and say, I will be there for the five weeks of that service. I will be there for the five weeks of that connect group. Those are up here. And that will start uh, on April 20th, the Wednesday after, the Wednesday after uh, Easter. You have the blank three by five card. Can you all show it to me? Does everybody have a three by five card? Six of you, Victor? Did you have on your lanyard? You had on your lanyard? Now, if I talk to these people, you didn't have a lanyard on. All right, what, I, what that 3x5 card is this. As I go through this model today, I encourage you to draw it out. I encourage you to write it out so you'll have a better idea of what's going on. So as I explain that, you can write that down. Now, y'all, to evangelize doesn't mean you win converts. It just means you announce what you've seen. It announce what you've heard. Uh, Make a winning converse is, is just announcing the good news, irrespective of the results. Evangelism is just simply telling the story you know. Matthew 6.20 says, but store, for your up, but store for yourself up treasures in heaven where moth can't touch it, rust can't touch it, thieves can't steal it. Uh, you know, the way we store up treasures in heaven is by investing in getting people here, there. That is how we store up treasures in heaven. And to do that, you're going to have to open your mouth. Uh, there's a pastor, uh, his name is Matt Chandler, big deal in the Southern Baptist Convention. He pastors a church, uh, it's called the Village Church, it's down in uh, uh, Flower Mounds, Texas. And it's a big Southern Baptist church. He's the president of Acts 29 Network. And I'm going to show you a quote, but I want you to understand that what Chandler is saying is evangelism means you're going to have to sometime open your mouth and tell people about Jesus. We love the relational evangelism where we can just chum up with people. But there has to come a time where relational evangelism turns into real evangelism. Where we speak the gospel. This is what Chandler says. He says, so relational evangelism, go for it as long as it turns into real evangelism. You hang out, uh, having a beer with your buddies so he can see that Christians are cool is not what we're called to do. You're eventually going to have to open your mouth and share the gospel. And when the pure gospel is shared people respond. I'm never more convinced than I am at this very moment that the greatest obstacle to the gospel penetrating the world is not the news, it's not the media, it's not, uh, it's not counterculture, it's not wokeism. I believe that the greatest obstacle to evangelism in the world today is because Christians refuse to share the gospel. The news can't stop us. The media can't stop us. The government can't stop us. We stop ourselves. Man, we don't need the devil to shut us down. We just shut up. A lot of amens this morning, Mama. It's going to be a great sermon. God's design. God's design is perfect. Everything He ever created, He has a plan for. Everything He's ever created, He has a perfect purpose for. He has a perfect purpose and a perfect design for your marriage life, your sex life, your money life, your work life. God has a perfect design for how you parent your, uh, your children or how you're a, a husband or a spouse. And this perfect design that God has had for us, there wouldn't be Ukrainian war. There wouldn't be, uh, there wouldn't be a financial collapse. There wouldn't have been a COVID. There wouldn't have been divorce. There wouldn't be cancer in God's perfect world as He designed in the beginning. But something happened. We chose to get away from God's perfect design. We went our own way. We have done our own thing because we thought we could do better. In fact, the Bible is very clear that it says we've all sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. Anytime we insist on doing things our way, it's called 
sin. So we've all sinned, every single one of us. We're all in the same busted boat. And it's been that way since the very beginning. It was Adam and Eve that busted the hole in the boat to begin with. But let me tell you something, if it wouldn't have been Adam and Eve, it would have been Mike and Pam. It would have been Glenn and Tammy. It would have been us. It would have been Tab and Tim. In Genesis is where we find that divine explanation of how the present fallen condition of the world, it really tells us how it happened. It really tells us how things went off the rail in the very beginning. How brokenness started. Uh, here we learn the subtle devices of the enemy. How the devil uh, tries to get us away from God. We're going to discover the spiritual effects of sin. Of man uh, seeking to flee from God. It's right here where we discern God's attitude towards sinners. Here is where we mark the universal tendency of humans to get away from God's design. It's here in Genesis that we see things falling apart. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 through 7. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And you're saying, well, priest, do you really believe that? I believe every stinking word of it. I believe that, the, I believe that this is exactly what happened. Now, if it was a snake or a dragon, I have no idea. Um, now the serpent was more crafty than all the, the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, I think it's interesting there. Notice that the serpent spoke to the woman. God didn't tell the woman. God told it to Adam. Eve wasn't there first whenever God said you can, uh, don't eat from the tree, uh, that particular tree. Eve had, not had a person, Eve had not had that personal word given to her by God. She was depending on the testimony of her husband. And I think that's the reason why the devil went to Eve. Did God really say, and this is the devil speaking to her, you must not eat from any tree of the garden. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You notice how the devil takes and adds away from what God said. Because that's not what God said. I'm going to show you what he said here in a second. But God did say you must not eat from the tree in this middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you'll die. You'll not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. God's wrong. He lied to you. You're not going to die. For God knows that when you eat that tree, your eyes will be opened up and you're going to be just like Him. And isn't everybody trying to live like God? Isn't everybody trying to be like Him? I mean, so what the devil's doing to Eve is really this. He's appealing to her religious side now. Wouldn't you like to be like God? Wouldn't you like to be holy? Wouldn't you like to be righteous? Wouldn't you like all that stuff? So appealing to her spirit. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good, say good for, the, say, say good for food. Say pleasing to the eye. Okay, so what he's done so far is he's, he's tempting her in the religious realm. And now he's saying, ooh, wouldn't that be good? Doesn't that look sharp? Wouldn't that, wouldn't that taste good? So now he's appealing to her flesh. He's tempting the inner Eve and he's tempting the flesh of Eve, when the woman saw that it was pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom, for being like God, she took some, crunch, ate it, then she also gave some to her husband, Adam, who would have been in the doghouse if he wouldn't have took it, all the men say amen, amen. who was with her, and he ate it. This thing going on a long time. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized that they were broken. They messed up. They were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. They were hiding their sin. They were hiding their guilt. They were hiding their shame. 
God had a plan and a purpose and a design for Adam and Eve in the garden, but they thought they knew better. So just like us, they broke away from God's design. Again, we do the same thing as well. In fact, the Bible tells us in the book of Isaiah that we all have went astray. We've all went, uh, we've all went our own way like, like sheep. Church, we've broken away. Which brings us to a place of brokenness. That design that God had for us and has for us has been broken. It has been fractured. The devil knew exactly what he was doing when he was going up against Eve. He was lying about God. He said, did God really say to you, you mustn't eat from any tree in the garden? Now the devil knew good and well, but that's not what God said. In fact, actually what God told Adam in Genesis chapter 2 is this. He says, and the Lord God commanded Adam, man, you're free to eat from any tree in this garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat it, you won't be like me on the day you eat it you're dead you're broken because my design keeps you away from that tree my design keeps that out of your reach anytime you add or subtract to what God says in the word of God remember the devil said did God really say that church anytime we add or subtract from the word of God it is an echo from Satan's mouth that is manifested in our life right now it's an echo it's an echo from the garden Oh, God God is okay with this, or God's okay with that. Let me tell you something. If God's not okay with it in His Word, He's still not okay with it. And if God blesses it, He still blesses it. Anytime you and I subtract from the Word of God, it's an echo from the garden. The devil added to what God said, tempted Eve to question, doubt God's Word. The devil appeared to the flesh and to the spirit of Eve. Romans 6.23 for the wages of sin is what? Separation. Death. Ain't nothing separates, ain't nothing disrupts life like death, is there? You ask Lynn about that. You ask, uh, you ask Jeanette about that. You ask Pam about that. You ask Chris about that. Nothing interrupts our life like death. For the wages of sin is death. It interrupts. It breaks this design that God has had for us. The result from going our own way results us, uh, to, uh, it results us from getting away from God in this life. And our sin also uh, prevents us from getting along with God in the next life. Sin stops. It separates. It breaks down this relationship. Sin always leads to a place of brokenness. I'm going to tell you what brokenness looks like. Not that you need a lot of help understanding what brokenness looks and feels like, but brokenness looks like addiction. It looks like struggling relationships. It looks like isolation. It looks like despair. Brokenness looks like guilt and shame and, and emptiness. It's how we feel when we've used somebody or we've been used by somebody. We see the evidence of brokenness all around us every time there's a, ki- a crime committed or a disease or even death. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Church, nobody likes being broken. Nobody likes being in brokenness. And what we tend to think is this. Well, I got myself into this mess. I'll pull myself up by the bootstraps and get out of it. Just something to make me feel better. Now we know we, we, we know we mess things up, but how can I be better? So what we do is we kind of, maybe we numb our pain with, with drugs. Or maybe we'll medicate our pain with alcohol. Or, or maybe that's not our vice. Maybe, maybe, maybe sleeping with other people is our vice. Or maybe, maybe cutting ourselves is our vice. Or, or maybe... 
getting the attention over how we identify. But all of these things are broken. We try to do all these things in our own strength. We try to do all these things in our own power. We try to do all these things so we won't be broken anymore. But the truth is, we cannot fix ourselves. No amount of self-help books, no amount of, no amount of, of, of inspirational speeches will do that. We can't fix ourselves. Never have been able to. There's not a fig leaf big enough on this planet to cover me. Please don't laugh. Yeah, it's a fat joke. We do our best to fix our brokenness. but You know what, church? I don't know about you, but sometimes I have a hard time seeing sin for what it is. Sometimes we even need the grace of God to see the destructiveness and the death and the desolation that sin brings. God, help me see my sin as you see it. Help me see my sin through your eyes. Help me see what's going on in my life through you, church. Um, the brokenness that we have tried to get ourselves out of just leads to more brokenness. We need God's help to see the darkness that it brings. None of these things really fix our brokenness. No one likes brokenness, but in many ways, brokenness can be good because it helps us see. It helps us know that we need God. God, I need you. I've tried to mess. I've tried my. I've tried to fix it myself. I've tried to take care of it myself. I, I've got myself into this mess, and I've tried to pull myself out of it. God, I even go to church. I've, I've been baptized. I'm in a connect group. I'm involved in a ministry, and I still feel rotten. Church, I believe there's lots of people in the church who are just going through the motions who have never been to Jesus. They're trying to do it because they want to feel like a good person or they feel like they want to make a good difference or somehow at the end of their life, if they have more good in that column and less bad in the other column, that somehow God will let them into heaven. Church, that's not the way it works. It never has. So we can even try to deal with that brokenness, even with religion if we really wanted to. But none of them work. All of them fail. All of them come short. But the Bible has a word for that when we get to the point in our brokenness where we realize we can't fix ourselves. We know we need something else. And thank God. We have Jesus. And when we get to the point of brokenness and we know that we need God, the Bible has a word for this. When we turn from our sin and to turn back to God, the word is called repent. It means to turn. It means to turn around. It means to go back from which you come. It means that you're not going to do it anymore. Church, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. We know we need something greater than us, and that is the good news of Jesus Christ. That is the good news. And who but God could say, it's good when you look at Jesus. He made creation and He said, oh, it's good. Y'all, I've seen those pictures from those telescopes. It's better than good, okay? It is spectacular. And what God is saying is, this is good news, but what I want to say is, God, this is the best news ever. I've been trying to get myself out of this brokenness and I've absolutely done nothing. If anything, I've made things worse. I want to turn from my sin and I believe. I've been told that I have the handwriting of a serial killer. So if you can see that on the screen, I hope so. But we've got repent and believe down here. 
I believe, Jesus, you are the Son of God. I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you came down from heaven to rescue me from my brokenness. You took all of my sin, all of my brokenness, all of my guilt, all of my shame. You took it to the cross because, Jesus, you were perfect. You were sinless. You have observed God's design without fall. You took my brokenness and suffered the punishment. I did the crime. You did the time. I broke the law you fulfilled by sentence. Jesus is God in the flesh. And church, that's the good news. But hearing the good news just isn't enough. You have to admit that you're broken. You have to admit that you've sinned. Have to admit that you need rescued. Have to admit that you, have to, you can't fix yourself. You've got to stop trying to fix yourself. We've got to ask God to forgive us of our sins, to turn from our sin, and to trust Jesus only, to repent and believe. And then God does something wonderful through Jesus. We are restored. God sees us now through the blood and the grace and mercy of His Son, Jesus. He no longer sees the guilt because Jesus has taken care of it. He no longer sees the sin because Jesus has brought it underneath His blood. Church, the only way we can be restored to God's original design is through Jesus. And the beautiful thing happens. We get to pursue. We get to pursue God now. We get to pursue Him as our friend and as our confidant, as our brother. You admit that you're broken and you come to God and He recovers you. And now you get to pursue the God, the design that God had you from the very beginning. You get to live by the Holy Spirit. And then we go, and then we go right back into a broken world because guess what? There's still people floating out there in the water and they're going to die and spend an eternity in hell if we don't bring them into the lifeboat. You ever seen that movie Titanic and you think of those people who won't go back to get those, you just want to slap them upside the head? Because that's somebody's mom, somebody's dad, somebody's brother, somebody's cousin, somebody's auntie. Go back and get them! That's okay, I'm in the boat. They're not. And cousin, you need to listen to me. Somebody brought their boat up by you at one time. Somebody threw you the life preserver that said Jesus on it. If you had the cure for cancer, every one of you would go home and put that on Facebook. You've got the cure for sin. You've got the cure and the answer to hell. You've got the answer to brokenness. Church, I've never had cancer and I pray I never have it. But I can tell you this. The moment my heart stops beating, cancer's done. If I die without Jesus, my hell's just started. There's people in the water bobbing up and down. Aren't you glad God uses broken things? Dude does it pretty cool. He's beautiful at it. He's Rembrandt at it. He breaks... He breaks clouds and rain comes out of them. He breaks the soil and plants come up. Broken seeds give life to new life. Uh, broken seeds give, give to new plants. So, so, so church, when you feel broken, when you feel like your life is in two different parts or seven different pieces, I want you to understand something. The God who has a design for your life does incredible things with broken things.
It was the broken alabaster jar that poured out the perfume. It's Peter weeping in brokenness that gives way to the greatest comeback in the New Testament. Some of you aren't hearing me. God uses broken things beautifully. It churches out of our brokenness. Whether it's a broken marriage, a broken career, a broken reputation, a broken heart, broken finances, broken innocence, broken promises, broken friendships, relationships, broken sobriety, broken commitments. You've been betrayed or you've been rejected. Church, we serve a God who can take all those broken things and do something beautifully. The Bible says this, our God is our refuge, He is our strength, and our ever-present help in time of need. He is our way maker, He is our miracle worker, He is our chain breaker, He is Jehovah Rapha, our healer, He is the King of creation, the Ancient of Days, the God of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, and He's also my God. God does incredible, beautiful things with brokenness. Therefore, we will not fear, although the earth give way and the mountains break into the sea. Church, everything in your world may be broken or on the verge of collapse from coming together, but no matter how broke your world is, God's still God. You want to see something that really stirs my spirit? He's not just a God who's sitting on some throne who's not engaged in my life. The Bible says He is our fortress. He is our strength. He is our help in time of need. God's not here to thump you. He's here to help you. He's here to help you through your brokenness. He's here to restore you. He's here for you to pursue a relationship with Him. If you're broken today, church, I want to remind you something. God uses broken things beautifully. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Maybe here today you're broken spiritually. And you know that you've never been to Jesus. You've never repented of your sin. Or you've never believed in Him. You've never placed your faith in Him. Today is a day for you to go from broken to restored. You might be here today and you've got an area in your life, in your life of brokenness. You have a relationship. Or maybe, it's, maybe you feel like it's your sanity. Or maybe you feel like it's your, your sexuality. Maybe you feel like it's your home life or your work life. But there's a broken area in your life that you desperately need God in right now. If you wouldn't mind, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, would you just silently come to your feet for me, please, as we go into the next part of the invitation? Nobody looking around, all eyes closed. In a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to come forward to pray at this altar. And by the way, the altar is just this, this thing up here with all these books. We call it an altar because in the Old Testament, people would bring sacrifice to the altar and they would give it to the Lord. We call it an altar because oftentimes people come up here in a very public setting and they just give things over to God, whether it's their heart or their problem or their sin. So in a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to come forward as a sign of commitment. It's a sign of seeking a word with your Father in this setting. Coming forward is a way to acknowledge the glory of God and saying, God, I need you. Coming forward is there is a blessing knowing that there's other people in the same broken boat that you're in. There's an incredible, incredible ministry in that. When I give you, when I give you the freedom to come forward, some of you are going to take a book this morning because you want the training of the three circles. You want to be trained so you can share your faith in everyday conversations because you know that sharing your faith is not an option if you're going to say you love God, love people, and live like Jesus with a straight face. Because the truth of the matter is, if you're not sharing your faith, I don't know how in the world we can call ourselves Christians. Some of you are going to get 
some release or victory or some, of some brokenness you need to give to God today, you need to leave it here on the altar. Now listen, I'm not saying come to the altar is going to fix you, but we serve a God that did promise you and me that if we return to Him, He will fix us. We'll see recovery. We'll see restoration. We will see what it means to have a relationship with Him. And if you believe that today, then a moment I'm going to ask you to come and commit. Maybe you need prayer. I'll pray with you. Maybe you want to pray for healing. We'll pray for healing, but it's about your time. Every head is bowed and every eye is closed. Today, if you don't know where you would spend eternity, today, if you know for sure, well, Mike, I've never repented and I, 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 I've never given my heart to Him. And I'm just going to ask you to pray with me right now. I want to invite you into the kingdom of God because Jesus has invited you into the kingdom of God. He's given me the job of telling you that. Almighty God, I am a sinner in need of salvation. I have wandered from Your design and I am broken. Today I turn from my brokenness. And I believe that You, Jesus, are the Son of God. Died on the cross in my place. Forgive me of my sin. Restore me to right relationship with God. And I will pursue Your presence. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. Today, if you made that decision, or today if you want to spend some time on your knees before God with an area of brokenness in your life, in a moment I'm going to release you to come to this old-fashioned altar that thousands of people have come to before. More tears than that that have been shed on these stairs. Some of you are going to come up and just get a book because it's time. You know it's time to get serious about sharing your faith. Some of you need to come forward to pray for your neighbor or your wife or your husband or your kids. Almighty God, as we just go into this time of invitation, I pray that you would call who you want to call right now. Father, you can do more ministry in this altar time. In this altar ministry. You can do more for these people than any therapist, any counselor, any book, any program. Any self-motivational speaker, any podcast, God, you can do more for them right now than all of that other stuff put together. Have your way in this place, Lord. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. And amen. Church, the altar is open. Would you come as we sing, I surrender. All to Jesus I surrender all to Him I freely give. Would you come this morning? Words aren't up there. Since daily live I surrender all I surrender all, I surrender all, all to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender. Pam, keep playing. Give me your eyes. Y'all, there are books up here. I feel like God has laid this on my heart. I don't know if seven people will do it, but that's the number that came to my mind. 
There's seven of you in this room who you know you need to take this class because you've got people in your life that you love and you know they're without God or they're far from God. You've also been told in Scripture, you've been shown in Scripture that sharing your faith is not an option if you're a Christian. There's no way we can say we love God, love people, and live like Jesus with a straight face if we're not sharing our faith. Now, if I'm speaking to you, and I don't know who I'm talking to, if I'm speaking to you, then here in a moment, I just want you to get it from your seat. Come up here and get that book and go right back to your seat. It's just a commitment. There's something about a commitment in a public setting. And by the way, we did something in January called the 10-second rule. Ask yourself, if I asked Jesus if He wanted me to learn how to share my faith, would He tell me yes or no? If He tells you no, don't take the class. If He tells you no, don't learn. Now, it's not important that you share your faith. If He tells you no, then don't take it. But if he says, yeah, I already told you, go and make disciples. Be my witness. If you've asked yourself, would Jesus have me take this class? And the answer is yes. In the next 10 seconds, will you just come up and get a book? Right now, would you come? Would you come right now? Just get a book and go right back. Up here in the front, there's seven books. You've not taken a connect group. You've not, you've not done this, but you're going to take this training. Would you do it right now? Thank you, Larry. Anyone else? Amen. You guys are so good. All right. Guys, let's come on up and let's do one more worship song, okay? While you're getting ready for that. Hey, I got a big surprise for you. Uh, next Saturday, uh, next Saturday, we're going to be doing a, a ministry opportunity. I'm going to give you a chance to do that. Let me tell you what's really going on good here. Y'all, the first three months of 2022, we have had an average celebration gathering attendance of 113. Now you're saying, well, that's not much. What if I told you that was a 21% increase over this time last year? Now that means two things. Number one, we're getting more friends of the church. People are coming here and they're, uh, they're liking what God's doing here. And they're growing. But I'll tell you the second part of that is that some of you have taken your commitment to coming to church more seriously. You're coming more than once a month or twice a month. You've really ponied up and you've said, okay, yeah, I'll come here three out of four Sundays. So I, I applaud you for that. Uh, our goal of, of living like Jesus looks like 80% of you being involved in a ministry out there in the community for one hour a month, or a ministry here in the church for one hour a month. Now, 80% of 113 is 90. 90% of our worship attendance is involved in some type of a ministry one hour a month. That's what we're looking for. Y'all, what we're operating right now is we want 90. That's our goal. 30 of you, 30 of you are giving an hour. Uh, we, need to, we need to step that up. Because serving the kingdom of God is part of your spiritual growth. And I love you enough to help you grow. Um, Larry, are you up there? You back there? Larry. Come on up here. Come up here, buddy. Give Larry a big round of applause.
You're a good-looking son of a gun, man. I'm on here to tell you right now. Hey, you had an anniversary this week. How many years? 56? Congratulations. Come on up here by me, handsome. You're welcome. Larry, you came to me a few weeks ago. Uh, you, you said in the Connect group, why aren't we giving stuff away? And I said, Larry, if God lays that on your heart, uh, why don't you head it up? Is that right? Yeah, well, y yes, sir. It is right? You're always right, Michael. Whatever. Um, and what Larry did is this. Uh, we've been getting Kingdom Kids uh, Children's Church together, Schaefer's Children's Church, and that started last night, uh, soft launch, had five kids. Uh, Larry is, is in charge of this ministry next Saturday. We're going to give away about $500 worth of peeps down, down at the uh, four-way stop by Hardee's right. from 9 to 10. You need six more people. Okay. You need to tell these people why they need to be there next Saturday from 9 to 10. And you need six people. Because I'm old and I can't do it by myself. <laughs> but I would appreciate your help. Thank you. If you can give an hour next week from 9 to 10, would you just... I need six people. We had four last night. And by the way, if you were going to be there anyway, don't raise your hand. But if you would say, yeah, I'll be there next Saturday. I'll be there from 9 to 10. Will you just raise your hand? I need six. Pam, help me out because I can't see. Chris, help me out. Okay. Keep your hands raised. I need six. How many are there? I see men, but they look like trees. You see six hands? You have their names? God does. God's got their names? God's got their names and Larry's got your number. Is that right? Is that what you heard? Amen. All right. Um, so please be there next Saturday, 9 o'clock at Hardy's, uh, the four-way stop, okay? You good with that? You I'll good with there. that? I'll be there. If they don't show up, what are you going to do to them? It, okay, never mind. If you've got to think that, <laughs> that's on me. I shouldn't have asked you that. I don't know what's going to come out of your mouth. By the way, he is on Coffee with Bill tomorrow, and it's one of the best episodes we've ever done.